what comes up for you with the word homecoming? Maybe it's memories of high school, the annual parade, football game, and dance. Maybe it's returning to your home or country after being away for a while. Maybe it's a return inward to who you truly are after taking a couple detours in life. For me, it's all of the above. I've been thinking about this question lately from my childhood home where I'm visiting my parents for the holidays. The backyard of their house sits adjacent to my high school. When I hear the school band rehearsing in the afternoon and see students leaving for the day, I remember my time there. My first homecoming was 20 years ago. It was exciting and sweet. The photos capture our eagerness, the formal wear, and delightfully awkward poses. I got to go to the dance with John, the first boy I really liked. My second homecoming was in 2007, when I came back from living abroad in Beijing. It was a sensory year there with new sights, smells, and sounds. After my initial indigestion, I eventually gained 15 pounds from eating all the good food. I remember starting law school that fall in D.C., grateful for clean air and blue skies, proximity to bike paths and concert halls, and far less crowded public transportation. My third homecoming showed up a decade later, after I quit my lawyer job and moved home with my parents. I'd never quit anything before and had nothing lined up. My parents were concerned. I was concerned. To sound cooler than I felt, I told everyone I was on sabbatical. What I really felt was a lot of sadness, shame, and anger. Sad about getting this far into my legal career without enjoying much of my work. Shame about quitting and moving home as an adult. And anger toward all the rules I had followed, all the boxes I had checked, only to feel it was completely awash. In what turned out to be seven months at home, my parents and I got to know each other again. There were rough patches when we bumped against long-time grievances that hadn't been aired and different outlooks on life. To their credit, they gave me space. We settled into a comfortable coexistence, went on walks, and attended local events. It was different from my experience growing up, which was filled with lots of lessons, extracurriculars, and competitions. Back then, they were so busy rushing me and my siblings around that we didn't really get to enjoy each other's company. While I was at home, I began working with a career coach named Cindy. I went to her thinking I simply needed a new job to fix my life, probably some in-house counsel role, a traditional next step for law firm lawyers. Cindy helped me see that what I actually wanted was a new way of being. Up until that point, I'd spent most of my life striving and accomplishing, seeking external validation, and taking well-worn paths to success. When the going got rough, I simply forced my way through. That had gotten me pretty far, an Ivy League education, two federal clerkships, and the perks of working at two large law firms. But it was a rat race that left me feeling exhausted, miserable, and lost. When I look back on my sessions with Cindy, I remember crying a lot. She'd ask a question seemingly out of left field, and it would unleash a floodgate of memories and emotions. She always got to the heart of the matter. One time, Cindy brought up the idea of inherent self-worth. I didn't need to do a single thing to be worthy. 
and I cried even more. There were many years of conditioning that I didn't even realize existed. I also remember feeling curious and hopeful for the first time in a long while. Cindy introduced me to energy leadership, a process of discerning and shifting levels of energy in my life, and she supported me through my job search. I found clarity on my strengths and interests, and she helped me make sure they aligned with opportunities I sought. I came out on the other side in higher education, counseling Pepperdine Law students on their careers. When that job offer arrived, I cried again. Cindy, as always, was curious. It wasn't typical for someone to cry over a job offer. I was confused myself until I realized that taking this job meant shedding my lawyer identity. It was one thing to apply for non-attorney jobs. It was another to actually follow through. Was life calling my bluff? Gone was the prestige. Gone was the big paycheck. Gone was all the time I had invested in my legal training. And if I weren't a lawyer, who was I? Would I like what I found? I'll be honest, my first year as a counselor was really hard. The first week on the new job, I was stuffing envelopes and learning to mail merge for student recommendations. I was furious. These were tasks I would have delegated previously, and now there was no one to delegate to. Many other administrative duties frustrated me. Where was the intellectual rigor that had characterized my prior jobs? Surely this wasn't the best use of my time. When an opening came up at the law school to teach legal research and writing, I promptly applied. I didn't end up getting that job, which was what needed to happen. I needed to sit in my discomfort to see how much my ego was running my life. For decades, it had been in the driver's seat of my car, chasing flashing signposts of prestige and external validation. Of course it hated the administrative work. But as a friend gently asked me one night, why shouldn't I do these tasks? They're literally part of the job description. Was I really above it all? What would it look like to do this work more peacefully? That's not to say my resistance immediately dropped, but it did soften and allow more space to appreciate what I like about the job. Hands down, it's working with students one-on-one, creating programs, and presenting to large audiences. I really like getting to know the students, helping them think through their careers, and connecting them with people and opportunities that are a good fit. I also love performing and having a stage, so I enjoy facilitating events and teaching. What's also nice about this job is having more free time to pursue my personal interests. In my second year at Pepperdine, I trained through the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, or IPEC. Cindy had gone through IPEC and worked wonders on me, so I trusted the program. I was curious about the art of coaching, which, unlike counseling, never tells the client what to do. Rather, it empowers the client to find their own answers from within. I also wanted to learn more about the energy leadership system that Cindy had previewed. My IPEC experience did another number on me. It's a rigorous program where you're constantly applying theory by coaching others and being coached yourself. You're invited to look at all your junk, and mine boiled down to that of self-worth. 
I had come away from working with Cindy, but old habits take time to unwind. I came to see that what I railed against at Pepperdine was bound up with my definition of doing, quote, important work and my incessant desire for recognition. That came from not sourcing self-worth from within. I learned many profound truths about IPEC, some of which I'm finding in spiritual traditions, too. Here are a couple of my favorites. One is that the world is always our mirror, reflecting our inner landscape. So those people I can't stand? They're simply reflecting traits within me, whether from a prior or current chapter of my life. Often, that looks like taking myself too seriously, trying to force an outcome, or feeling competitive. But the part of me that can't accept the trait in others can't accept it in me as well. So what would acceptance look like? And how can I cherish the virtuous qualities and continue deepening them? Another is that our minds create the worlds we experience and that we're always at choice to pick our perspective. This applies to any moment, and I've found it especially helpful for handling the difficult ones. So I'll ask myself, how am I relating to the people and situation? What meaning am I assigning? What stories am I spinning? And what is my contribution? It's far easier to change myself than someone else, so I like to start from within. I could go on and on about the lessons, but the short story is I learned, finally, to take responsibility for my life and let others simply be who they are. Obviously, that learning continues. Professionally, I peck a firm that coaching feels thoroughly like me. It's aligned with my natural gifts of connection, empathy, and intuition. I'm inherently curious about other people's lives. It's so rewarding to see people reach new awareness and move forward from there. Counseling turned out to be the necessary bridge from practicing law to coaching, something I couldn't have foreseen when I quit my job three years ago. Today, my life is night and day from before, with my external circumstances mirroring all the internal shifts that keep going. At Pepperdine, I enjoy the people and have made peace with the administrative aspects of my job. In my coaching practice, I'm helping attorneys and other professionals with career transitions, personal development, and holistic well-being. They say your ideal client is basically you from a recent chapter, and I'm finding that to be totally true. I'm also experiencing massive creativity through a couple activities. One is playing improv every weekend this past year. Another is a YouTube channel I've created where I interview fulfilled lawyers about their careers and what makes a meaningful life. If coaching and improv had a baby, it would be this YouTube project. It's called Career and Life Chats with Andrea, and I hope you'll check it out. Finally, I practice doing nothing and simply being. Perhaps this is the ultimate homecoming that's been unfolding all along, one that's required every step of my circuitous path. It's a fascinating journey from the outer world to the one within, where there's a deep-seated peace and presence. As I share this story of homecoming with you today, I'm learning that I'm at the beginning of a new adventure. It feels expansive, purposeful, and joyful. My greatest dream is for everyone to experience their own version. 
We all have a story to share and a voice that is meant to be heard, and we want to share yours. For more information and to get involved, visit storiesofinspiringjoy.com. Stories of Inspiring Joy is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created by Sydney Weiss. You can find all episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like the show, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're creating greater connection and community, one powerful story at a time.